Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Warriors' five-game road trip continues tonight as they stay out in the Southland. After winning in Memphis from Tennessee, they head to Hotland. Take on the Atlanta Hawks. The game can be heard once again right here on 95.7 The Game as Golden State looking to make it three in a row and two in a row on the road. It's Evan Giddings and it's Dan Devone for another edition of Warriors This Week. We went to the break and was talking about just floating the idea, living in my little world as I always do, that this team might be better served to have Brandon Pajemski and utilize his energy right from the opening tap rather than waiting for a quarter to get behind and waiting for some <laughs> that injection that has been the bench that has really carried this team to date. And I think that it's a large, bold move because Clay Thompson isn't just another player. He's synonymous with the four titles. He is a guy that is, is part of the foundation. Uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of those guys that build a statue right next to him and Steph and Draymond. I get all of that. But if we're living in the here and now, and if you're about winning games in 2024 and get into the playoffs, you have to think about what best serves the team right now. And I think that just from a defensive standpoint, an energy standpoint for a team that at times looks very old, the the remedy is right in front of you, and that is to start Pajemski and relegate Mr. Clay Thompson to now a reserve role. Your thoughts, Ed? I don't think you have to do it yet, although I would point to last night's box score and say even though Clay Thompson was in the starting lineup, he wasn't really in the unit that closed, which is also important. So that's one thing that supports your point, Dan. Also, another thing that supports your point is Pajemski played 34 minutes to Clay Thompson's 27. And this is kind of my larger takeaway from that. I agree that Pajemski deserves a role and a more established role, I guess, of when he's going to be playing and when he's not. But, or I guess how much he's going to be playing, which has been quite a bit frequently. But I, I kind of like him with the second unit. And... Look, when Chris Paul comes back, when GP2 comes back, when Moses Moody comes back, and I apologize, it's actually as early as Monday that he could make his return. That would be in Brooklyn. There's going to be more options for Steve Kerr and how do those guys fit in. I think Pajemski being able to connect members of that second unit is just as important as him being able to play 
and push some of these starters. Now, again, I just listed before the break the fact that with Draymond in, the the pace has been higher, but it's been just about as high with Pajemski versus Clay, and that to me is also a key for this team. They do have to play faster. They do have to play with more pace, and I wonder if that's sustainable with older players because um, we've only seen it now in three starts with this new five-cast member. But Pajemski, to me, I like him where he is, and that means he's going to be playing 30 or more minutes. That means he's got a chance to close some basketball games. And maybe most importantly for me, it means he's going to be connecting the second unit. I understand logic would tell you, okay, well, if you move Kaminga into the starting lineup, that means you don't really right now have a score off the bench. Um, to me, the, the bench is not as big of an issue if the starting lineup is shouldering the offensive low like it has and also is playing defense at a level like it has. So you don't have to get into shootouts each and every night with teams like they did when Draymond wasn't around. So I don't think there's as much emphasis as scoring or much emphasis placed on scoring from the second unit. And I think Pajemski can be a facilitator. I think he can be a guy. Now, he had 14 assists last night. But he can be a an energy playmaking type of guard from the sixth man spot or seventh man spot when Chris Paul returns. I don't think he necessarily needs to be in the starting lineup. The numbers officially last night for Brandon Pajemski in thirty four minutes, seven rebounds, fourteen assists, and he also had twelve points. The big number, however, zero, and I repeat, zero turnovers to go with the fourteen assists. So he was three rebounds away from a triple double in those thirty-four minutes. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We want to hear from you. We kick things off with Mark hanging out in San Francisco. Wants to talk about Moses Moody. Hello, Mark. Yeah, gentlemen, where do we fit Moses Moody in? He's a good player that just needs an opportunity. He can really help us. Couldn't agree more. I think Moses Moody is part of that youth movement that I'm talking about now. For whatever reason, I don't know, Ev, would you call it a doghouse? Or I'm still trying to understand why he gets overlooked as often as he does. Well, I'm curious, first with, with Mark, how, how would you see him fitting in when he comes back? Or how would you like to see I him see used? It, I like to see him used as, as putting in some scoring off the bench. I mean, he, he could score, he shoots good, but he can also go to the hoop. He's, he's just an energy guy that you, you can win with. He, he really gives you 100%. Gotcha. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Moses Moody can can fit. The The weird thing is, like, okay, if you look at the Warriors' uh, depth chart to take a piece out of football, okay, so at the point, you have Steph. Right now, the way that they're used, it's CP3 is the backup guard who wasn't, who's unavailable. And Corey Joseph honestly plays the the one more than even someone like Pajemski does. The, the 14 assists, I thought, were a product of playing in the flow not necessarily initiating and being the point guard for the offense. So the two spot is where Moses Moody, I think, naturally fits right now. And I think Pods kind of plays more at the two, which is why I don't think we've seen him a whole lot, even when he's been available, because Clay Thompson's getting 25 to 30 minutes. Pajemski's now getting 25 to 30 minutes, if not more, on given nights. And when you have all of your guys back, it, it just felt like he's kind of the odd man out. Not to say that Moses can't help you, but I don't think right now he's as dependable of a three-point shooter as he needs to be to play significant minutes. Maybe that means he could get five, he could get ten here. He's, you know, quote-unquote, Mr. Stay Ready. Um, but when you have all, I guess, 12 guys, I, I think it's just hard for me to figure out how much better he is than 
someone else at his position and where he fits. Like, I mean, I guess you could slide him over to the three, but, you know, right now Wiggins has been playing better. Um, I think he's slightly, you know, he's, he's better than Moody is right now for, for the way that he's playing. Like, as much as I'd love to see Moses Moody, when everyone's around, I think he's kind of the odd man out, Dan. You talked about Andrew Wiggins, and we can get into him a little bit. Because Andrew Wiggins, the last thing we wanted to see last night is for him to take a step back. And while, listen, he still played well, I think, defensively, but the numbers on Andrew Wiggins last night in 30 minutes, just two rebounds, did not have an assist and finished with nine points. So it was one of those Andrew Wiggins climbing back into his shell after when, again, uh, he's sort of emblematic of the team. Just when we were ready to anoint him, is oh no, here comes Andrew Wiggins. And now that starting lineup, with Draymond Green sandwiched between him and Jonathan Kaminga makes so much sense because you got your two best wings, your most athletic players on that front line, anchored by Draymond to go along with Steph, and who I think should be the off guard, Brandon Pajemski, but obviously it's still Clay Thompson for now. Mm-hmm. But it was Andrew Wiggins who uh, uh, you would have liked to see follow up what has been a a rash of good games. Uh, to you know what it was that we witnessed last night, which was an underwhelming performance again in 30 minutes, just the nine points and two rebounds. But you know Andrew Wiggins is a guy that I think that if he can continue to be on that ascension and and continue to figure things out, like he he really is like that of Jonathan Kaminga, just such a key to the success of the Warriors going forward. And I think that as he shows promise. It makes their decision a lot easier when it comes to the trade deadline, and I wouldn't be surprised, and of course a lot of these things go through Steph, is Steph is saying, you know what, let's not do it now, fellas. Meaning his conversations with Joe Lakeup or whoever's going to pull that trigger, that now that Wiggins is beginning to show some signs, now that we got Draymond back, now with the emergence of Jonathan Kaminga, who we need to get into, I don't think it's a good time to pull the trigger on getting anybody, because obviously you're not moving Kaminga, and if you're not moving Kaminga, you're really not upgrading in my estimation. The only reason you would make a trade with Andrew Wiggins is that you want to unload salary. But at this point, if Andrew Wiggins can show or at least continue to ascend and at least replicate uh, what he was a couple of years ago, and he seemed to be trending in that direction, then I think, again, and I've sort of maintained this over the last couple of weeks, you have to keep and just just go to the dance with who brung it. And that is the way the Warriors are currently comprised in terms of their roster and not do anything when it comes to the trade deadline. I mean, I, I still think that this is a team that way down the line, if, if they're able to get in the playoffs and, and try and make some noise, I think at some point they're going to be missing size. And to bring in an additional center, and not just any center, I guess it would have to be the right one, but someone that can protect the rim more consistently. And, and maybe TJD is going to be that guy, but I, I also think that it's it's just hard as a, a second-round rookie to immediately come in and play against the big boys in the Western Conference, such as, you know, you look at Jokic. If for some reason you're the eighth seed, you match up maybe with Minnesota. you got Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. It's difficult to bang you know with, with them. Um, there's a lot of size at the big spot around the West, I guess the only team that maybe doesn't have well, no, even you know, even the Clippers have have Zubots, who's a traditional center. So you know, I, I think that they could add at the trade deadline from that perspective. Does it look like they will? 
No, because I think your most viable trade ship at this point, because of your point, Dan, about the way Wiggins has been playing, is probably Chris Paul. That's probably him, maybe packaged with a first, would be able to fetch you something. But I don't know if the Warriors feel comfortable with pulling the trigger on that, because with the way that they use Pajemski, he's not really the backup point guard, and I don't know how many Corey Joseph minutes you want to see, but especially in the postseason, I would prefer to see none. I would prefer those be Chris Paul. So I think you're kind of right. The Warriors are in a position where they're figuring out something with their starting lineup, and then I think they're more inclined to just let these guys come back from injury, and that's almost going to be the upgrade in addition beyond the trade deadline. So, you know, I... Look, I, I still think that having Wiggins for three more years and, and doing the dance with him, like I, I'm not a big fan of having multiple long-term contracts, which could include potentially extending Clay Thompson this offseason on the books, because if you don't, let's say the Warriors get balanced in the first round, or maybe they don't make it out of the play-in tournament, well then you, you don't really have a lot of moves to make outside of not bringing back Chris Paul, not re-signing Clay, and then I don't know how much better that makes you in the immediate so I think they're going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. I just, I understand why the Warriors do not want to move Wiggins because they're playing a lot better and him and Kaminga specifically are able to coexist with Draymond Green. But I just wonder if their willingness to let this thing play out hurts them from getting ahead of rebuilding, not rebuilding, but retooling for next season because you're still in a place where you have to try and contend. As long as Steph's on the roster, you got to try and make a go of it. And I'm just not sure what the ceiling is right now. Well, I just think if you look at the landscape right now of who's available, I don't know how significant of an upgrade it is. Right? I, I don't think that you're you're certainly not getting marketing. So if you're going to get rid of Wiggins and maybe Chris Paul or Chris Paul in a draft pick, you're essentially bringing back a journeyman big. And you're getting a big for the sake of just saying you have one in your roster. And all he's going to do is take away minutes from that of Trace Jackson Davis and company. So I don't know if it's not upgrading your basketball team. I think they're better served to reassess over the offseason. Let's open up the phone lines once again at 888-957-9570. Sam Mateo, the location. Steel Toe, welcome back. What's up, Steel? Oh, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, I I kind of disagree a little bit with with the, the Wiggins situation because um, Wiggins, in order for Wiggins to get better, it's like everybody around him has to get better. It's uh, you know, he needs a facilitator always, whether it's Draymond or Pajinski. See, I, I like you guys' idea. If, if if they are able to get trade Wiggins, even just for two second round draft picks. Like you said, now we could put Bajenski at the two and maybe Clay at the three. I have a feeling we are going to re-sign Clay, and I love Clay. I'm willing to accept Clay over Wiggins, and and as long as we get rid of Wiggins, we can always have like Moses Moody or Bajenski step in, and that's how I feel like we we have to move Wiggins. Thank you. All right, Steele. Thanks so much. Any thoughts, Ed? Well, I, I was on that train a month GM ago, Ed? and I, I, it's always confusing to me. We, we want to trade players when they play poorly and their value is nothing, but then when they start to play well, we don't want to trade them because they're playing better. But if, and I, I guess it's kind of heartless to look at players like assets and stocks, but you know, you don't sell a stock when it's low; you sell a stock when it's high. That would be my reason for trading Wiggins, is because he's, I think, he's vastly improved his value with his play recently. But I also don't, I just, I don't think they're going to move him. Like, I, I don't think they are. 
And the reason is because he might be more valuable to them right now than to another team. I also think teams are a little bit scared of three years left on his contract beyond this one. So maybe this offseason you could try and move him if he plays well and he'd have more value and that would be a way to yeah. get off the books or get off his contract this offseason. Teams would feel less concerned about fewer years at that point than now or slightly less time than now. But it just feels like the Warriors, their starting lineup has has worked the last three games. They want to see if it can work the rest of this road trip and maybe even further than that. And that includes Andrew Wiggins. So to me, it, it's also less about Wiggins. Like we haven't brought his name up a whole lot. And in addition to Pajemski, I, I think the key really for me to the starting lineup, in addition to Draymond, it's it's Kaminga. Like Jonathan Kaminga has right now been the reason that offensively they have been more consistent, that they've been able to open up the paint. And the result of that is getting better looks for their shooters, specifically Curry. He gives them another option to go to down the stretch of games. Like, there was a play, and I know they were up big at this point, but down the stretch of games in which they've also kind of coughed away a lot of leads, Steph is kind of trying to do it all, or Clay Thompson's going for the kill shot. Jonathan Kaminga gives you a guy that you can just toss the ball to and he can attack the rim. Wiggins doesn't do that as much as he used to, and Kaminga, to me, has been not necessarily unstoppable, but about as close to unstoppable as you can be at attacking the 10, and, you know, right now he's, what, he's shooting 60%, he shot 60% in the month of January, and a lot of that largely was around the rim. So he can finish, he can put pressure on the defense, on the interior, and I think that also helps take pressure off of Steph and Clay when they're trying to find their open looks. Yeah, I think that, again, getting back to Andrew Wiggins and the potential trade with the deadline looming, is that I wouldn't be surprised that if Steph Curry had a conversation to blew into someone's ear and saying, you know what, just like we've talked about, we finally figured it out. We finally have a sense of identity. Let's not mess with this thing right now. We've mm-hmm. waited all year to get to this point. Let's not move anybody. Phone lines, once again, 888-957-9570. Vince hanging out in the city of San Francisco. Hello, Vince. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I think right now uh, moving Wiggins is, isn't the answer. I think we kind of missed it. Uh, we know with Wiggins he's a very up-and-down player, and I think the rest of the league knows that he's an up-and-down player, and I think it's too close right now to even – too close to the deadline, that is, to really get somebody that's going to help the team. Um, I've been advocating for Clay to come off the bench since probably the first month of the season. And then it's like every time I call it and I say I want him off the bench, he goes off for, for like 25 plus. <laughs> but it's hard. But, you know, like I get it. I love Clay, especially his story, his comeback from the injuries and everything. That's a lot of heart and determination, but he just doesn't move laterally as well as he used to, which is, I mean, come on, he he has a blown ACL and a blown Achilles. You're not going to be able to move laterally, but that was the key to having him in that starting lineup was he was a lockdown defender almost. So if you're not going to get defense out of Clay, I think moving him to the bench, have that pressure off, his legs stay fresh because shooters all need their legs. And I think him coming off the bench as a sixth man or seventh or whatever, he's going to be that Ray Allen knockdown shooter for you while Paz is in there. And he can kind of, you know, he's chaos. That dude is chaos on the floor, and I love it because it helps the team. It helps get the other team in scramble situations. Other guys are getting looked. And, 
you know, I, I, it's just hard to, to keep Clay in the starting lineup when you see the production that you're getting for Pod. The other part, too, real quick, is what do you want from your bench? From my understanding, starters are supposed to go out there, get you a lead, you know, put you in position to win while the bench is supposed to maintain so your starters get their rest. Now, if you want your bench to be the pick-me-up, then it's kind of backwards. It's like having your fastest guy in the relay race be your first leg and not the second or anchor. I, I don't know. So I, I just, it, it all depends on what they want to do with their bench and how they want their bench to handle the game and then go from there. Vince, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you need to come down here. We need to hang out. We're the two guys that think <laughs> Brandon Pajemski should be in that starting lineup. I think every I couldn't agree with you more. And as far as Brandon, Brandon Pajemski, and yeah, the chaos that I was watching him last night. You know who jumped into my mind? Mm. You know who he reminds me of? Oh. Bart Simpson. That should be his new nickname. <laughs> he he kind of looks like Bart Simpson. He is Bart Simpson for the opposing team because he is a nuisance. Oh, my God. He gets in trouble everywhere he is on the floor. He bothers passing lanes. He's disrupting guys in the post. He wants to rebound every single shot. He is, I mean, this guy gets in more mischief as far as just dis- being a disruptor on the defensive end than if I'm an opposing team, that's Bart Simpson. This guy creates havoc everywhere he is. It's not just with his man. He wants to help. He's going to take a charge. He's that guy. You know, you hate playing against him, but he's one of those dudes that you love having in your squad. All right, Phil Mo, where you been? Let's get out to San Francisco, California, one of the rigs. Phil Mo Mike joins us. What's up? Hey, what's up? What's up, Devon? What's up, uh, Evan? Yeah, yo. Um, I, I, when Moody come back, see, me personally, I love Pods. Paz is very solid. You know, see, Paz reminds you of Bart Simpson. Paz reminds me of a young Pat Beverly. Mm, good stick. Reminds me good of. stick. Reminds me of a young Pat Beverly. Uh, and I, I, I love Paz. I don't know why Kirk gives him such a long leash. I talk about. I don't know why. I, I want to know why. Why you give him such a long leash? But mm. me personally, that my starting lineup would be this: Curry, Moody. When Moody returns, Wiggins, Kaminga, and Draymond. Reason being, you get shooting with Moody, you still get defense. Clay can come off the bench. Paz can keep doing what he's doing. I think the monkey in the wrench is Chris Paul. What would you do with him if he was able to come back and return? But I really, I'm a real stickler for Moody. I think he's a solid individual. You can play, you could, he's, he, he could be like a loony where you start him and you just fill it out throughout the game. But I think he would be way more effective than Clay Thompson in the starting lineup. I'm not saying Clay is in the starter, but I think Moody would play better. Moody could shoot. He could he could he could start the uh initiate the offense. He could do a lot in Kaminga. Speaking of Kaminga, he said something what a month ago, I'm pretty much unstoppable. He's looking pretty much unstoppable on the court. When you're young and you got that youth, he got something that he got energy like pods, but he got grown man strength as a youth, and that's scary. Thanks, Philmo. No, I, I look. I'm, I'm kind of with you about Kaminga. the The point about Moody is, and look, I, I I hear you. To me, the the positive of having Moody in the starting lineup would be to prioritize Kaminga. Like Clay Thompson does reorganize the offensive hierarchy. I think a little more than I'm comfortable with because he's naturally going to be looking for a shot. The one thing that I know Moody can shoot it. Um, 
but you need, I think you need a more of a reliable floor spacer. I mean, Moody right now is shooting 35.8%. I know that sounds good, but quietly that is below league average. Like, league average is about 36.5%. 35 from three? 35 from three. And in, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, that would have been good. But it's a little bit below league average. Um, I also wonder defensively, like, he... I think him and Clay are probably a wash. Like I don't look at Moody, at, at Moody as a, a significantly better defender than Clay. I think he's more of an energy player. He was more of a scrapper. Like I think if he is out there, it's because you want to focus on getting Curry and Kaminga the ball, and those are the guys you're going to play the offense through. In addition to, of course, Draymond Green being a connector. But I think Mo- I think Moody can do that off the bench. As for Chris Paul, uh, right before we get to a break here. That's my biggest question because he's going to get minutes. And my biggest concern from the perspective of Steve Kerr is how tempted will Kerr be to close games with Chris Paul? Because I would rather see if Wiggins is playing two-way basketball at a high level, mainly defensively, I'd feel more comfortable with him out there. Um if Pajemski is moving the ball and playing well and providing you some help defense, I don't think he's a great on-ball defender, but he's a good help defender, he might be more valuable out there than Chris Paul. So is Chris Paul going to mess with the hierarchy at the end of games? That's what I'm most curious about because Kerr in the past has said he's our guy as far as being the you know controller of the offense in those situations. All right, when we continue, we're going to get into Jonathan Kaminga. We usually devote an entire section to this guy, an entire segment. We'll do that. Coming up next, also, I threw this out there, and it's gonna I guess it's going to be a theme throughout the show. I personally would like to see Clay Thompson relegated to a bench role as one of those instant offense guys that can come out and shoot it like a Jamal Crawford type. And I think it's just time that Brandon Pajemski comes in at the number two. Someone suggested Moses Moody. You cannot be an old basketball team and be good. And they're old enough, they become ancient when Clay Thompson joins Draymond and Steph in that starting lineup. I think it's time for Clay to be relegated to a bench. We can talk about that. We're definitely, Al, we see you hanging out. We have some phone lines open. we got to get to a break and we continue. Jonathan Kaminga talk and also your thoughts on Clay Thompson going to the bench. It's Evan Giddings and Dan Avone, and it's Warriors This Week with much more after this. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings and Dan Avone, the Golden State Warriors, have made it two in a row. This time last week, they had just suffered one of their many excruciating one-point losses in the closing moments to Sacramento. And then that night, just an absolute carbon copy, although not exactly the same, but it was gut-wrenching in their one-point loss to Los Angeles. And somehow, someway emotionally... You know, they find themselves uh, with an opportunity now to sort of go on a little run here. Uh, They've won two in a row, including, I think, what was one of their most impressive wins against Philadelphia, beating the 76ers, who, by the way, were without Therese Maxey. Yeah, who went for 51 51. (laughs) two days later. So without Maxi, they take. But that's what you got to do, man. You gotta, you gotta take advantage. It's the you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Law of the jungle, like a team tonight in Atlanta. They begin their five-game roadie with a victory in game one. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. On the five-game road trip with victory over Memphis, and the road trip continues with a date against the Atlanta Hawks, a team they beat about eh, a little more than a week ago out at Chase. All right, when you hang out through the break, we want to get right to you, back out to the phone lines, 888-957-9570. Al is in San Francisco. Hello, Al. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, man? Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Moody. I think Moody is a big asset to the... uh, Warriors, they shouldn't trade him. You know, there was a lot of games that Moody was playing well before he got injured, and they should recognize that he has the same juice as Kaminga, but he needs a chance to prove himself. So I think they should hold Moody just in case Wigan or Clay gets injured or Kaminga. You have somebody that can step in and fill those shoes. Have a nice day. Thanks, Al. You know, we were talking about this during the break. Mm-hmm. the love affair that the fan base has with one Moses Moody. Now, I understand he seems like a good guy, and I think that has a lot to do with it, and maybe a little bit disrespected by Steve Kerr. But as you so effectively pointed out, it's sort of a numbers game at the end of the day. It's nothing personal, but it's interesting because he is one of the most popular Golden State Warriors. But as far as his role going forward, again, I think that you did a good job of just, you know, it's not a reflection on his play, but just it's sort of a numbers game at the end of the day. Yeah, unfortunately, he and it is not what fans want to hear, but he, he kind of gets buried when they're at full strength. Like, and that that's the caveat here. When he if when and if he returns on Monday against Brooklyn, he's going to play because you still have GP two out, you have Chris Paul that's out, so there's minutes to go around for sure. But when the Warriors do eventually, and we hope get back to full strength. It's it's just tough to, I think, give him minutes on a nightly basis. That might sound weird to some, but again, if, if he's the two, and I think he plays the two most of the time, sometimes at the three, but if you're just looking at the depth chart, I think he's behind Clay Thompson, and I understand why. I think he's behind Brennan Bajemski right now, and some might wonder why, but I think last night is a great example that against a team in which you should beat, Brennan Bajemski can, you know, take over a game with his passing, or or maybe not take over a game, but certainly help you. He can move the ball around. Um, Mo- Moody is a solid player, but in a playoff series or even in a big game, you know, I, I just kind of pose this to you, Dan. I think the guy that he's probably fighting with most for minutes at full strength would be Gary Payton II or Pajemski. And I think those guys, because of how the Warriors play or maybe Steve Kerr's preference, are in front of him. And I... I I think they need someone like Gary Payton the second if they're going to be their best defensively, and he's probably getting 15 minutes, and those are 15 minutes that can't go to Moody. So, 
it's not like he's going to be completely phased out of the rotation. And if he starts, maybe if he starts, you know, scoring like he did right before he got hurt, unfortunately, like people kind of forget. I think he had back to back 21 point games against Toronto and New Orleans. Granted, they were losses, but it was still season highs for him. You know, he was a bright spot in those games, maybe the only bright spot in those games. So if he starts playing well when he comes back, before the rest of the the guys in the rotation that were in front of him return, maybe then he can sort of crack and get a couple of minutes. But I think Steve Kerr's just showed us that he's less inclined to play 10 or 11 guys on a given night. And when you're looking at the depth chart, I think Moses Moody might be the 10th or 11th man, and that means he's going to get left out. Let's talk about the guy he came into the league with, and that's that is his partner when Jonathan Kaminga, both rookies some, what is it now, three years ago? Yep. Jonathan Kaminga, I think this is well said by, I think it was Draymond that dropped this to Jonathan Kaminga. He said, hey, my man, you know, the all-star break is right around the corner. And Draymond Green said, hey, Jonathan Kaminga, come here. Enjoy these days off, all right? Because it's the <laughs> last time you're ever going to get a break as far as the all-star game is concerned. My man, you're going to be playing that thing for the next 15 consecutive years. Ev, this isn't only a a guy that the Warriors have watered and wait waited for him to sort of, you know, get to this point and he fits in well. How often have we talked about that finally the Warriors have been in search of a guy that could be the number two to Steph Curry as far as scoring the basketball? And it's clearly Jonathan Kaminga now. And I still hear that bandit about from time to time. Well, they still need somebody as a number two. <laughs> Abre sus ojos. Open your eyes. It's that guy, Jonathan Kaminga. He's your number two. And it may not be long. I'll go here. Uh oh. That he surpasses one, the great, the only Steph Curry. As Steph Curry gets older and as this guy continues, you know, to shoot to the top like a bullet, you know, it's a matter of time before this becomes his world. And we're just living in it. Cause that's how good this guy is. And Jonathan Kaminga might be that guy giving you 28 to 32 a game. And it's Steph Curry who's now suddenly his sidekick as far as scoring the ball. I'm not saying that's happening this year, but that's, everything's on the table with this guy. And Ev, it's, it's beyond the scope of just the Warriors and this team and finding a number two and he's finally matured. This is a rising superstar in the league. Forget about just the Warriors. This guy has got it all and it's going to be fun to watch. And you just hope that he sticks around. And the good thing being is that he's still under team control. Mm-hmm. He's relatively cheap when you think about the contracts that are out there. The 43 mil being doled out to Clay Thompson. The 25 going to Andrew Wiggins. The 25 going to the, the likes of, you know, Draymond Green. That this guy is quickly becoming your best player. He's on the cheap. And it's just fun to watch him every night. Well, he's cheap for now. I don't know if he's going to be cheap for long. And that's kind of what I've seen as far as an emergence and an arrival. I don't know if Jonathan Kaminga has exited or entered untouchable territory, because, again, as we've discussed, if a star like Giannis was on the block, I think you'd be okay with moving Kaminga. <laughs> Giannis, and that's about it. The field's getting much more narrow. But Jonathan Kaminga has absolutely entered must-extend territory. He's contract-eligible this upcoming offseason. And with the way that he's playing... You just take a look at his month of January. Again, we were talking about sustainability for the Warriors playing 30 days of good basketball. You just saw that from Jonathan Kaminga in 12 games, 21 points a game on 60% shooting. You know, he's got 20 or more points his last seven games. 
He's pretty much the most effective, one of the most effective paint scorers in the league right now. If you take a look at the efficiency in which he is shooting with, specifically on the interior, names that are going to pop up are Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Those are the names that he is entering conversations with. Now, whether he can can sustain it the rest of the season is TBD, but it looks pretty good because this is also an offense that I think is slowly morphing towards emphasizing him as opposed to him just being a third or fourth part of it. Like, there are times in which we saw both against Memphis, but also against Philly, who had Joel Embiid out on the floor. We saw him take over parts of those games. We saw him take over games in the month of January. And to be a dependable second option, or even at sometimes number one option, when Stefan isn't on the floor, is something that this Warriors team absolutely needs. So, to me, he has entered must-extend territory because he's the key when he is, the words I'm going to use are decisive, consistent, offensive, threat. The defensive end of the court he certainly contributes with, or contributes to. But offensively, this guy has been a maniac and has opened up the paint to the Golden State Warriors in a fashion that we have not seen in quite some time. He looks like a bona fide stud when he attacks the tin, and he does it at a tremendous rate, and has been doing it now for a long period of time, and he's also affected winning. So that's where I'm with you. At age 21, this kid is looking like he's taking the leap and taking a a massive jump in a way that we want to see. They've never had someone like this. They've never had anybody like this. Kevin Durant to a certain degree, but they've during this run, I should say, they've never had somebody who can pressure the rim like this guy. Andrew Wiggins can get to the rim, but doesn't have this sort of strength, doesn't have this sort of athleticism. But I, I do like the combination of the two of these guys, and it's also, it's also worth mentioning. You can just see the guy growing up as far as his confidence. You know, he had sort of this sheepish, wide-eyed sort of demeanor. Even in the beginning of this season, now he's in command, man. Mm-hmm. He looks like a man. He looks like a man just at the free throw line, just the way he's, he's composing himself. Stuff like this is just fun. Like, you know, where he, and he takes a step every game. And where he'll be at the end of the year, Warriors may be running their offense through this guy. So I, I think that he, just getting back to the trade deadline and handicapping this team going forward, the Warriors, unlike a lot of other teams, you just don't know because there's so many moving pieces. While you want to say, okay, the Warriors need to do this because they don't have it, when you're assessing the Golden State Warriors and trying to make them better as it relates to the trade deadline, well, do we really know just how much better Jonathan Kaminga is going to be in about a month or two months? Do we really know, you know, Pajemski, as he continues to ascend, like, there's all these sort of, and, and Draymond now coming back, who hasn't really played with Jonathan Kaminga at this level, who hasn't really played with, with Pajemski, all of these things that are still, you know, to be decided, to be yet to be determined. So it's unlike a lot of teams, I think that when you look and you assess the Golden State Warriors, it's a little bit more challenging because there's an unknown quantity. And a lot of it has to do and is directly related to the emergence of some of these younger players. And you've seen the game, it seems like every game, really, but the game is slowed down for Kaminga. I mean, he's whipping passes to particular players. He's making the right plays. Oh, that pass to Clay Thompson. Oh, my God. The little whip-around pass on the baseline to the corner for an open three. 
that's a play he doesn't make last year. No. And again, it's like, I, I understand that people were not happy with how slowly he was brought along, but if you're telling me that this is the Kaminga that we're going to get, and he's 21 years old, I don't think that's a long period of time at all. Like, maybe you could say that, oh, well, Kerr should have trusted him more and he could have gotten here faster, but but how, like, how much faster? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how much quicker could he have gotten to this point? I, I don't know. We're never going to know. I'm just happy that we're seeing it now, Dan, because, again, he's 21 years old. In the grand scheme of things, he's a baby. This guy can just go to a bar and order a drink, and he's already getting 21 a night, at least over the course of a month. And it looks like he's going to be doing that for the continued, you know, for an extended period of time down the line. So I'm with you, and it's not just him getting his. That's maybe the biggest difference that I've seen. It's not just him getting his, because he can't. Like, he can get to his spot anytime he wants. Like he said, he's unstoppable. You know, I'm sure there's some defenders that can make it hard for him. But Kaminga also now has opened things up for other players because he's becoming a priority for opposing defenses. They haven't been able to figure out how to stop him from getting to his spot. And I think that as much as Draymond Green has certainly helped unlock him, I think more so Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga's taken it upon himself. Like, he's unlocking himself with the help of Draymond Green, who's also been encouraging and potentially mentoring behind the scenes to, to one Kaminga. It's also just interesting, interesting to me, Dan. So at the beginning of January, I think it was January 5th, and we, we I think we might have talked about this, there was the report that Kaminga had lost faith in Steve Kerr, right? That he didn't think he could fully flourish under Steve Kerr. At least that was the report from his camp. We never heard that from Kaminga's mouth, but that was the report from his camp. It's so funny to me that a month later... It looks like Jonathan Kaminga might be the second best offensive player, sometimes the best offensive player like he was last night against Memphis on the floor for this team. It doesn't look like a player that's lost faith in his head coach. No, he's just maturing. He's being rewarded. In every facet. Yeah, I just it gets back to just being a young guy who recognizes his talent and wanted to you know, he just wanted to showcase it a little bit prematurely. You know, I think it's worth noting that Jonathan Kaminga had never had Back to back, twenty or more a game, twenty more points a game. Like he'd never done that in his career, back to back, until this recent run. Now he has eight consecutive twenty or more points, including last night where he went for twenty nine in thirty seven minutes. That's what you like to see. Those thirty seven minutes, just give him, let him go, man. Well, that's, fact, the, that's the other part of it too. Like he had he, more minutes than anybody last night. Well, that's the thing. It's he hadn't played thirty minutes or more in consecutive games before this stretch. Now he's getting, I think against the Lakers, he played like 46 or 47. He's getting 39 last night against Memphis. And that helps Curry, Dre, and Clay, and all the older guys are, you know, more over on the back end of their career type players. Even Wiggins, to an extent, who's in year 10. If Kaminga can shoulder not just the offensive load, but also minutes and still play at a high level, I mean, it's going to help those guys and even maybe someone like Chris Paul help remain healthy throughout the season. Another factoid, and this is usually where you live, so I'm, I'm stealing, I'm stealing nuggets from you. Oh boy. Brandon Pajemski, 14 assists and no turnovers. Mm-hmm. You want to know the last rookie to do that in the NBA? Formerly the Philadelphia 76ers, refused to dunk a basketball in the Eastern Conference Finals. Ben Simmons. Six foot 11. Ben Simmons, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You might see him way, on Monday. By the way, yeah. By the way, <laughs> speaking of the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, their former head coach, Doc Rivers, who 
has a tendency to make an appearance on this show. <laughs> now the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Why? Well, we have no idea, but he continues to get dusted off and propped it up. Well, he's now winless with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, what'd you make of that when they made the move? Well, we talked about this. Like, I, I don't get it. don't understand. <laughs> I think that one thing, we, we don't want to do a Philadelphia 76ers show here, but I think the one thing that their previous coach uh, had lost the locker room, and I think that the reason that he was gone is because the players, Dame Lillard and company said, listen, we need to make a change. That's usually when those things, when when it happens that abruptly. And the one thing I guess you could say about Doc Rivers is that he has people's respect. Mm-hmm. Right? He still is a respected guy, uh, especially amongst the NBA players community. But as far as why you would do it from a winning standpoint and a resume standpoint, I mean, we talked about this last week. Nobody has blown more 3-1 leads in the NBA playoffs. Nobody's been more underwhel- underwhelming as far as the teams he's taken to the second season. I mean, that's, that's Doc Rivers' legacy as far as I'm concerned. It's funny. Like, if you're thinking about reasons, and this is also to bring it back to the Warriors, too. One thing that you look at around the NBA is you can poke holes in a lot of teams. The Warriors included, of course. I mean, they're three games below 500, and they're in 12th place in the West. But a reason maybe to feel optimistic about the Warriors making a run, kind of like maybe the Lakers did last year or the Miami Heat that we were talking about earlier, is because you look up and down these conferences and... Oklahoma City and Minnesota right now are in first place, and they're the best teams in the West. They're both pretty young. You know, Minnesota doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. They got bounced in the first round last year by the eventual champs, though they did give them their toughest series. Oklahoma City is an extremely young team. The Clippers have kind of had a propensity to either get hurt or fall short in the postseason. And James Harden, you mentioned Doc Rivers. You know, you can make a case that the Sixers in the playoffs got sunk because James Harden with an injured and hampered Joel Embiid couldn't carry them or shot them out of that series. You can make a case. Uh, Sacramento, of course, is a team you've already beaten in the postseason in recent memory. Phoenix is a team that's relatively older. You know, New Orleans is up and coming, but they're young. Dallas um, doesn't play defense, but they got two one-on-one great players in Luke and Kyrie, the Lakers. Like, you can poke holes in so many of these teams as it relates to the Warriors that maybe that's the reason why people feel like if they get on a run that they can make some noise. Because even a team that is as good as Milwaukee decided they needed to make a head coaching change, and that hasn't paid off for them so far. They're still second place in the West, uh, but they've lost a couple, and Doc Rivers has what he has in the postseason. Like, I don't know if there's a team that's clear-cut right now. Even the defending champs in Denver, who I still think should be the favorites uh, to win it all, even they have had some blemishes on their roster throughout this regular season. So, I just I think it's really setting up to be a, an intriguing postseason run uh, down the stretch of this season, and you just hope that the Warriors can find their way into it. I would not be surprised if any of the top ten teams came out of the West. I wouldn't be. It'd be a mild surprise if say Houston got there, but it's. I mean, it's so balanced and wide open. I think this year, the Eastern Conference. That's sort of the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Like in the Eastern Conference, you want to get a top seed, right? Because at the end of the day, does Orlando really scare you? I mean, does Chicago really scare you? I mean, you know, you're advancing to the second round. If you're in the West, 
just to put the shoe on the other foot for a second, think about this from the lens of OKC or Minnesota or one of those teams that you just mentioned. Do you really want to play, if you're the number one seed, the Lakers in the first round? If you're the number one seed, do you really want to play the Golden State Warriors? Now, you, you might be favored favored in that contest. You but, would, yeah. But I'm telling you, there's easier draws. Like, I'd rather play Orlando, all right? I'd rather play, you know, anybody but Golden State. And let's, let's also keep in mind that when it comes to just the narrow difference, I think, between the top seeds and even where the Golden State Warriors sit, is you don't have to look any further than the games that these guys have played this year. That when it comes to OKC, now the number one seed in the Golden State Warriors, it's not as though OKC comes in and just blows the doors off the Golden State Warriors, and you can clearly see that there's a difference in terms of personnel and that they're so much better. No, those games, <laughs> you know, we talked about these excruciating losses. Well, a couple of them came at the hands <laughs> of OKC yeah. and one Chet Holmgren, who did them in right at the buzzer on two games, one to set into overtime and the other for a game winner. So... I, I think that there is – it's a fine line, and I think it's it's a narrow sort of space between the best in the Western Conference and where the Golden State Warriors sit. Once again, you know, getting back to that sort of you – know, that theme of, of optimism going forward, I think that if Golden State meets anybody out of the West, there's not – you know, Denver scared – I think scared people a lot more last year, but I think that – you know, when I look at it, and I think the top four, OKC, Minnesota, the Clippers, and the Nuggets, are pretty ensconced at that top four. Yeah. But when you go Sacramento, Suns, Pelicans, Mavericks, Lakers, Jazz, that's who the Warriors need to fall back to them. And much like that of a year ago with the Los Angeles Lakers, that's not beyond the realm of possibilities. I'm with you. I also don't think one thing that would hurt the Warriors compared to last year, for example, like I think the Kings were the three seed. And they had 48 wins. 48 wins might get you the four or five seed this year. I mean, it. it I don't know if the teams are as top heavy as last season, um, but from a record standpoint, it does appear that the West is going to be better than than last year. So, you know, the Warriors got some ground to make up. And to me, I, I don't really want to look at the five or six seed right now. You do want them to fall back, but you know, right now the Warriors are five games out of seventh place. So we we got to start there. To me. Um, we talked about it this week on Steiny and Guru. Like to me, the the operation is not playoffs. The operation is play in right now until we've been proven otherwise. Or to take it a step further, with coach speak, it's Atlanta tonight. Forget well, about the there play. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the Hawks coming up tonight. It's Dejounte Murray and company. A guy that maybe we could talk about him coming to the Golden State Warriors if people still want to get into that sort of thing. We'll talk deadline. trade talk. The deadline right around the corner. Evan Giddings and Dan Avone. Warriors this week. We're coming up on eleven o'clock. You and your phone calls coming up next here on ninety five seven The Game. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 